Hello, and welcome to Mans Who Play Mons, uh, episode 5. I am one of your hosts, Ilya. I'm your other host, Matt. And as you listeners may or may not have noticed, Matt has a fancy new microphone. Yeah, now you can actually hear me. But why would you want that, though? Yeah, I think it's, I was going to say that I think the quality of the podcast has already declined. Yeah. Well, whatever listeners we had are definitely dropping ship now that they can actually hear the other host. Well, maybe it'll just be so bad now it'll wrap around and be very good. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that happening. I mean, I think uh, the game of Pokemon has definitely had a weirder box than that. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, uh, shall we get into today's battle? Yeah, I think we should because we had a pretty good one. Yeah, it was funny because Matt and I decided after the last couple of battles that we were actually going to be selective and we were going to like play a bunch of battles and then decide which one was like good uh, enough to actually make a podcast about. And we sat down, we were all ready to play a bunch of battles and we played one, it was really good. So we were just going we to do this one. All right. Uh, cool. So um, I'll start off with my team. Um, so I have... Uh, Starting off, a level 74 Dugong. That's a pretty mediocre water ice Pokemon. Uh, then I had a level 74 Vileplume. Uh, that's a grass poison Pokemon. Uh, level 88 Spearow, normal flying. Uh, pretty good offensive Pokemon at level 88. Uh, level 68 Tauros, uh, normal type. Very, very powerful Pokemon, even at level 68. Uh, level 74 Arbok. Uh, Hot garbage, just a pure poison type. And level 68, Jolteon, uh, pretty decent electric type. My favorite. And um, yeah, uh, what, what do your team look like? All right, well, I had a level 80 Nidorina leading off, the real stinker of a Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> good, good move, good move sets, but poison type, uh, fairly mediocre stats. Uh, and Arcanine, Level uh, level 74, uh, fairly standard fire type with a, just a mix of uh, normal and fire type moves. I had a Kangaskhan at level 74. Uh, Kangaskhan is known in the industry as Tauros Light um, <laughs> for being pretty similar. Uh, some normal moves, some uh, some uh, ground moves on this. I actually had Surf 2 on it. Yeah. Uh, I had a Clefable, which uh, my computer corrected to Cleanable, which is pretty nice. <laughs> Uh, is an interesting, uh, Pokemon. I actually tried to run Clefable as a, as a actual competitive Pokemon back in the day. It I'm never really worked out, right? What's oh, that? What a surprise. What a surprise. No, I, I think I used that against you in our, in our high school battle. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, but that, that's not saying much about, like, you can use, you could have done a lot of things against me at, at, during that battle and still won. Well, I mean, I tried it online too, but... Basically, the nice thing about Clefable is a, you know, a fairly uh, diverse move set of special moves and then stab on body slam, despite an attack that's not amazing. Uh, so, so, so what's your dream competitive Clefable move set then? I don't know. I forget. This one's pretty good, though. This one's uh, Psychic Blizzard Thunderbolt Body Slam. Uh, yeah. Actually... I don't think that's right because I now remember it having Thunder Wave. So I think I, I think I transcribed it wrong. I think it might be Psychic Blizzard Thunder Wave Body Slam, which is uh, which is still pretty good. Um, yeah, it's nice having uh, Thunder Wave for status there. 
Um, I had Exeggutor, uh, one of the greats, as I think I call it, the last battle. This one is not your double powder Exeggutor. This is your uh, this is your Mega Drain Exeggutor, which eh, I don't know, not yeah. not my first choice, but not amazing. Can, can be useful sometimes if you have a silly water type that's hanging out there or a really really dumb ride on. Yeah. Um, and then have I have a, a Tangela too? Actually, Tangela. I have never figured out exactly how I pronounce that. I've one. always pronounced it Tangela. Tangela. I've always called it like. All right, we're just gonna call it Crinkles because that's <laughs> the name of it in the in-game trade that you can yes. get it. We're just gonna call it Crinkles because of that and because of no other reason. Exactly. Uh, level seventy-four. Uh, another uh, grass type. Uh, that's one pure grass actually, and uh, Mega Drain, Body Slam, Swords Dance, Sleep Powder. Tangela um, is an interesting Pokemon. Like Tangela is definitely a Pokemon that, uh, at first blush, to me as like a Pokemon player, seemed very weak. But the more I've been playing Pokemon against you, the more I've been appreciating it. Um, you definitely see it on some on some teams. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of overshadowed by Exeggutor in like standard competitive play. Yeah, but. But pure grass is nice, and yeah. really one of the what like the knocks that I can think of on it are doesn't learn stun spore, so you you can't do the double powder thing, like low attack. But that's that's kind of you see that on a lot of grass types. Um, but it's just super survivable. It can take a ton of hits. Oh yeah, it's a tank. Um, and then you know anything that learns sleep, well most anything that learns sleep powder is is going to be an asset. Um, so I was. I was pretty thrilled with this team, honestly. It was a little weird. Like, you would rarely see a double grass team anytime. Mm. But aside from Nidorina, there weren't really a bunch of stinkers. So, I, you know, I was pretty happy. How about you? Yeah, I, I felt pretty... I felt okay about my team, I guess. Like, the thing is, my team had a couple of sort of mediocre or somewhat bad Pokemon, but also had some decent ones. So, like, you know, the... Just looking at the lineup I had, I would say, like, Tauros and Jolteon, pretty solid. Uh, Vileplume, pretty decent, just because it can sleep powder. Yeah, you know, it can also, like, Swords Dance, Body Slam, and that kind of nonsense. And then on the lower end would be, like, Arbok and, I don't know, like, Dugong's okay, I guess. And then Spiro, you know, at level 88, it's, it's fine. It's not, like, amazing or anything, but uh, I wasn't, like, unhappy to have it. So, you know, looking at this team, I, I feel okay, I think. That's pretty mean to Dugong putting it in the Arbok category. Well, that's incredibly uh, mean. <laughs> it's it's certainly much better than the Arbok, but uh, I'm still not that big of a fan of it, really. Yeah, I suppose. I it's suppose. just kind of like a slow water type that doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, it gets stab on Blizzard, which is nice, but that's about it. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's let's start off the battle. So uh, on the first turn, we have my Dugong up against Matt's Nidorina. Um, at this point, I'm looking at the Nidorina, I'm like fairly confident that it's going to have Thunderbolts because, you know, it can learn Thunderbolts and it's it's a reasonable move for a Nidorina to have. Um, the movesets in this uh, format that we're playing are randomized, but they're not completely random, so they're meant to be like viable movesets. So I, I'm pretty sure like it, it's, it's a safe bet that the Nidorina would have Thunderbolts. Um, but even so, I figured, you know, uh, Nidorina is not a very good Pokemon. Uh, I have a very powerful move in Blizzard. Uh, I'm just gonna, and I'm also faster than it, in fact. Um, and so I'm just gonna go ahead and Blizzard and see what I can do here, and see if I can just take the Thunderbolt and see where that gets me. 
I was pretty I was pretty ticked off that I had a knit arena. Um, <laughs> so having having Thunderbolt, I figured I'd just Thunderbolt. There wasn't really someone that I could switch in that was going to resist any of any of his crap. No one could no one could really even take a hit from a blizzard super well uh, or from us or from a surf. So I just figured I was gonna do what I could with Knit Arena, maybe get lucky and get a critical hit or something, but I basically figured, well, I could probably do some damage to this guy and then Knit Arena's gonna die and well, it's not a, it's not the worst exchange in the world. And so uh, if we move to turn one, uh, I use Blizzard on my Dugong, uh, dealing 51% damage to the Nidorina, quite solid. And the Nidorina used Thunderbolt, which was super effective, dealing a whopping 31% damage to my Dugong. Uh, I was honestly pretty surprised that it did so little damage. Like, I knew Nidorina was not that powerful of a Pokemon, but it was scaled to be higher level than my Dugong, and that 31% on a super effective move is just almost nothing. Yeah, I was pretty peeved, especially that it didn't even do a third. Like that's an, an it's nice it's nice when it does a third. Like no, this was not <laughs> just just under a third. Worthless. <laughs> uh, so moving into the next turn, I'm like, well, uh, I just took off half his health with that blizzard. Uh, it seems pretty likely that I'm gonna just faint it with the next blizzard. So I went ahead and used blizzard again. I used thunderbolt again. I figured in the you know in the very remote chance that that uh, the blizzard missed. Uh, that was probably my best shot for doing damage to him because uh, the rest of the move set wasn't really uh, wasn't really anything that was going to be any better. Well, I could also have low rolled right on damage. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what your roll was the first time. We're, we're yeah. just talking about there's a random number component in the damage formula that it varies between 217 and 255, and it just goes into this formula. Why I remember that? I mean. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's just <laughs> say I'm to, great fun at parties. Yeah, I think you need to re-examine your life at some point. Oh man, uh, I'm already like I'm constantly re-examining my life. It's just a it's just a constant process that's always running. But it hasn't really gotten you anywhere, I guess. Oh no, absolutely not. Okay. Either that or this is this is my life with the constant re-examination. Think how bad it would be otherwise. I uh, I prefer not to. Yeah, I, I might just send you off an edge, like off a ledge. Um, so moving into the next turn, my Dugong used Blizzard, and it was a critical hit, so that faints the Nidorina. Yeah. Yep. I sent out my Clefable. Um, this will be this will this will remind me whether or not I had Thunderbolt on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but why did you send out your Clefable? Well, because if it had Thunderbolt, I was going to use Thunderbolt against it. I, it must have had the Thunderbolt. I don't know what what I copied down, but I also wanted to uh, I also wanted to paralyze it. And I know the thing had Thunder Wave, so uh, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to paralyze it, just kind of slow this guy down, uh, because I was I was just a little bit I had I was a little bit scared of it uh, walking <laughs> through my team. I don't know why I shouldn't have been, but. Um, you know, I, this was a team that actually had a pretty substantial Dugon weakness. Like, a lot of guys weak to ice and water and shit. Yeah. So, I kind of wanted to limit the damage it could do, so I, want, I, I wanted to Thunder Wave it. It is funny to be in a situation where you're, like, sweating over a Dugong. Not that Dugong is a terrible Pokemon, but, like, it's just not that good of a Pokemon. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think there's a, there was a previous battle where you swept me with a dugong, so <laughs> there's a little bit of uh, 
just a little bit of latent fear there. I mean, I doubt I actually swept with a dugong, right? I couldn't have gone 6-0 with just a dugong. Uh, I don't know. It's possible. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, seeing this Clefable, uh, I decided I would keep in the dugong. I mean, I did think that there was, again, a chance that it had uh, Thunderbolt or something, but based on the performance of the mid-arena, um, I wasn't too worried. And so I was just like, yep, let's see where we can get against this Clefable with a solid wizard. Yeah, I thunderwaved here. Right. Um, and so Blizzard dealt 41% uh, damage to the Clefable, and uh, the Clefable paralyzed my Dugon. Uh, so at this point, I'm thinking, well, I got paralyzed, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, now, um, it so happens that this Dugon had Rest. Uh, so again, Rest is a move which, when used, will fully heal your Pokemon and remove all uh, negative status effects on it, uh, except it will inflict sleep for exactly three turns. Um, and so I was kind of thinking throughout this battle of like when I should be resting. And the question is basically, can I take two hits in a row from this Clefable? Um, because I'm now slower than it due to paralysis. And I decided, yeah, let's try it. Let's try gambling. So I went ahead and used Blizzard instead of rest here. I had Thunderbolt, so I used it. Yeah, what a crappy transcription I did. <laughs> Great job. Uh, so indeed, your Clefable moved first, again due to paralysis. Uh, my Dugong took 34% damage from the Thunderbolt, leaving it at 35% health. Um, so cutting it pretty close on my end. And then my Dugong used Blizzard, dealing 36% damage to the Clefable, leaving it at 23% health. Um, so at this point, uh, my Dugong is like, you know, pretty close to dead. Uh, and if I get unlucky with the next hit, I could definitely just faint. But um, I decided, hey, I still have a pretty decent shot at surviving the next hit. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and rest. I was really hoping my Thunderbolt would uh, would kill him. So I chose Thunderbolt. All right. And so your Thunderbolt did 34% uh, damage against my Dugong, leaving you at 1% health, at which point it rested and went back to 100%. I was rip shit. <laughs> as I think most people would be in such a situation. Um, but, you know, now that my Dugong is asleep uh, and it has to stay asleep for a couple of more turns, uh, given that the Clefable was doing 34% damage uh, per turn, and given that my Dugong was still slower due to a bug where uh, paralysis uh, still has its Sleep sorry, it's a speed de degradation even if you rest to remove paralysis. Um, I decided to switch out the dugong since it wasn't going to be able to survive uh, against the Clefable, just staying asleep. Um, and so I decided to bring in Jolteon because I figured he was going to Thunderbolt, and Jolteon being electric type is strong against electric and could also do a good amount of damage and is fast, uh, so it could just finish off the Clefable. I did choose Thunderbolt, and it was one of those pick the move and then immediately try to hit the cancel button before, <laughs> before Ilya does something, because I was just like, of course he's going to fucking switch. Uh, and because I had Body Slam, like a Body Slam would have been great here to just, you know, try to paralyze whatever's going to switch in. It would have yeah. been really good against the Jolteon because yep. of its uh, low defense. Uh, and I just end up using Thunderbolt like a dummy. That was a, that was a, real, uh, that was a real shit move there, man. All right, and so uh, I signed up the Jolteon, 
you use Thunderbolt and Nuclear Fable, it dealt 11% damage to the Jolteon. Uh, so I felt pretty good. Um, and at this point, I'm like, all right, uh, time to try and finish off the Nuclear Fable. And so I readied my Thunderbolt. I figured to get Clefable out of there, which is, I think, a pretty weird move. Um, yeah. I I sort of figured that a, an electric move was on its way. Um, and I figured that while Clefable is not the fastest thing in the world, there it might actually be nice to be able to send it out later and potentially get a hit on a slow thing. Uh, because its moveset did have a, you know, a sort of, it had good type coverage and, you know, the ability to maybe paralyze a thing before dying might be nice. And I also figured, why not just send out a, you know, send out something that's going to resist Jolteon and something that I wouldn't even care about really getting paralyzed. And maybe, uh, maybe Ilya will get cocky and, uh, let me put, you know, let me put that Jolteon to sleep. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think, like, to me, that still is kind of a weird decision to not just let the Clefable die at that point, because, like, it's pretty unlikely that it's going to do anything else this game. But, um, you know, when you, when you, uh, expound upon it like that, I, I suppose it's, it makes sense. The other thing is you have a sleeping dugong, and if that, you know, if that comes out again, that Clefable could, you know, could, could start wailing away at that thing i'm you know maybe by the end of the game that's my last thing and then you just have your sleeping dugong or whatever i don't know i'm not sure if it could actually work out that way but that's what i was sort of thinking keep it in reserve yeah okay uh so you set out your tangela um my jolteon used thunderbolt dealing 16 percent damage to the tangela since electric is not good against grass uh but the 10 percent chance to paralyze uh, actually happened and so Fucking. i Full par. And so I, I paralyzed your Tangela. And at that point, I knew I had lost the battle. The end. <laughs> you can find yeah. us on uh, you can find us on Friendster. Yeah, at that point, Matt just uh, quit the game in rage. And yeah, I started punching all the walls in my house and the windows. And actually, I'm like all I'm like bleeding right now. I have to I had to tape up my knuckles and all that. And uh, yeah, I'm actually impressed that you like decided to sit down and record the podcast after all that. I, I believe in this. Uh, I believe in this as a uh, as a important artistic project for our time. And you know what? You've also calmed down a lot, uh, given that you just you know spent a bunch of time like punching out your house and shit. Well, you know, sometimes you just gotta get the rage out. I guess so. Well, uh, cool. It's been a good episode, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Okay, not really. So. Uh, Matt did not quit, uh, despite getting paralyzed on his, uh, on his Tangela. Um, so, uh, at this point, I'm thinking, you know, my Jolteon is not going to do anything against the Tangela. Uh, I need to bring out a Pokemon which can potentially do some damage. Uh, I also figured there is probably a Sleep Powder coming. Um, and so, you know, if there was a Sleep Powder coming, maybe the move would have been to bring out Arbok, since that was by far my weakest Pokemon. Um, but I figured, you know, the Tangela was paralyzed. Uh, Sleep Powder only has a 75% chance to hit. Uh, so I have a pretty decent shot at being able to, you know, avoid getting put to sleep. Uh, and who knows, maybe he's going to use some other move like uh, Body Slam or something. So I, I went ahead and sent out Spearow, which was like a 
quite solid contender against Angelus since it's a flying type, which is strong against grass. I did use Sleep Powder. Uh, I didn't think there was a good chance that Jolteon was going to stay out, but I was just figuring, you know what, I can. it would be nice to paralyze something, or stop, sorry, put something to sleep, and then, you know, when he switches that thing out later, then body slam for a chance of paralyzing the incoming thing. So I was, uh, I was actually not too upset when Spiro came out, especially on this. On this team, a Spiro could do some damage against like two grass types so i was pretty stoked all right and so my spiro came in and it got put to sleep um so at this point i figure well um you know again the tangle is paralyzed uh if the spiro does happen to wake up uh since sleep is random between one and seven turns it's still uh, in really good shape to deal damage to the tangela um, the Tangela can't do a whole lot immediately against the Spiro, like it might use Sword Dance or something, but that takes some time to ramp up. And so I decided, you know, let's just hold on and uh, wait and see what happens. So I kept in the Spiro. I I don't remember what I did here. I forget whether I Sword Danced or Body Slammed. Okay, well, what happened was that my Spiro woke up and your Tangela could not move due to paralysis. So that worked out rather nicely for me. Uh, and so at this point, I was like, all right, sweet. My Spiro is up and running. Uh, time to take out this Tangela with a drill pack. I figured uh, get Crinkles out of there. Um, and I switched an Arcanine because Arcanine was faster. And it would be super swell to burn that Spiro and reduce its attack. I'm actually kind of shocked that Arcanine is faster than Spiro. I mean, the Arcanine is level 74. Spiro's level 88, and like I never thought of Arcanine as a particularly fast Pokemon, but yeah, yeah, it is actually faster. I was I was shocked too because I'm pretty sure Kangaskhan is slower. Hmm. Which surprised me. I was yeah. like going through each one and finding like who's 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 faster, and it's like it's Arcanine. All right, that actually seems like a good option. Arcanine, go. All right, so your Arcanine came out, uh, and my drill pack did 27% damage to the Arcanine. Um, so I wasn't too excited about the Sarcanine. Uh, I didn't feel like I had any really good options for switching in against it. Uh, and so I just decided, hey, you know, I have a Spiro. It's a pretty decent physical attacker. Let's just try and get some damage in, maybe get a critical hit, who knows. So I went ahead and used Double Edge against the Arcanine. I used Fire Blast, hoping to both do a crap ton of damage and uh, potentially get a burn. Uh, and so... The Fire Blast did 61% uh, damage to the Spiro, uh, which is not surprising, <laughs> quite substantial. Um, Spiro not known for its high HP or special stat. Um, but it did not burn, thankfully, for me. And my Spiro used Double Edge, dealing 38% damage to the Arcanine and taking recoil damage. So at this point, we have an Arcanine with 35% health and a Spiro with 29% health. Um, and the big question here for me was whether to, you know, keep in the Spiro and uh, just basically die because the Arcanine's faster and can finish it off in one hit, or whether I should try to save the Spiro um, at the cost of a free switch. And I decided the Spiro probably wasn't going to make that big a difference in the battle, uh, so I decided to just keep it in and double edge, maybe. I chose to use uh, Flamethrower, uh, which is a weaker fire move without as high of a chance as uh, burnt, of burning. But it's uh, it's more accurate, and at this point, uh, there wasn't much I couldn't use that wouldn't uh, wouldn't kill it. 
there wasn't much. It wasn't much. I there wasn't much I could use that wouldn't kill it. Okay, there you yeah, go. that's the right number of negatives. <laughs> I tried to parse that, and I was just like, yeah. this is not. No, you know. yeah, it was. It, I think I got, I got a little confused because I knew there was a negative coming up, but then I put it in the wrong spot. All right, I well, probably should have just said anything I had probably would have killed it. Yeah, that would have been great. That would have been uh, a lot. Do you want to just go back in time and see that instead? Uh, nah. Let's, All right. Let's make this authentic. Um, so uh, you used flamethrower with your Arcanine, and my Spiro fainted. Um, so I'm thinking, all right, how do I finish off this Arcanine? It's like a fairly fast Pokemon, um, but if I can find something that's faster than it, then I can just finish it off before it can do anything else. Um, so at this point, in terms of Pokemon I could switch in, uh, my options were really only uh, Jolteon, Arbok, Vileplume, and Tauros, um, because Dugong was asleep. Uh, so Arbok was slower, so that was not going to happen. Jolteon was not a good choice because Matt could just switch in the Tangela, and the Jolteon couldn't really do anything against the Tangela. Uh, Vileplume is slower and weak to fire, and so Tauros was the natural uh, selection here. Uh, Tauros being faster than Arcanine and a solid attacker that could also deal with a Tangela. So that's why I sent in. Whatever, Darwin. Yeah, that, uh, that natural selection. Ah, uh, I uh, did uh, not get it, but now we get it. Like that radio gold there? Yeah, I, I do like it, actually. Thanks. You're welcome. So well, I'm, I'm sure I improved it by like, explaining it, too. Uh, so I sent out the Tauros, um, and uh, yeah. So now, looking at this... Arcanine, I figure I just need to finish it off uh, as quickly as I can. And this Tauros new Earthquake, uh, which is a ground move, which is strong against fire, so that's what I selected. I left Arcanine in and uh, used Fire Blast. Uh, this actually probably would have been a good place to actually send in that almost dead uh, Clefable and let it take the hit and die and then let me send out something without a switch rather than sacrifice Arcanine who actually had a chance of probably doing something good later in the battle but I didn't think that way at the time I was just like well it's you know it's it's on its last legs uh, just let it uh, let it take the hit and die it's amazing that you you felt that way about Arcanine, but not about Clefable. Like, Clefable, yeah. you're like, oh, man, this thing's so valuable, I need, to, I need to keep it. But Arcanine, you're like, no, this thing this thing isn't doing anything. Well, I think it partially had to do with the fact that I felt that I had a, a very clear, good thing to switch in against Jolteon, mm. where it's like if I switched in Crinkles, there was really nothing that Jolteon could do, but... Against you know against the Tauros, it's a different animal. As a you know, that's going to be able to do damage to a pretty broad variety of things. So I think that's I was thinking too much about what I could switch to instead of what I was switching out. I guess uh, in my imagination, what was really going on was that you just have this like enormous soft spot for Clefable because you tried to use it competitively one time, and so now you just like always overvalue it in battles. I really don't think so. Okay. I mean, up, in, up until we discussed it, I hadn't really thought that much about the fact that I used to try to run out Clefable in competitive play. It just sort of came to me as I was reading through my Pokemon. Well, fair enough. 
Um, so yeah, so MyTorus used Earthquake and it fainted the Arcanine. I sent out Exeggutor here. Um, I figured here's another chance to put something to sleep. And I liked Exeggutor's chances better than uh, Krinkles's because, uh, because Exeggutor wasn't already paralyzed. So at this point, looking at the Exeggutor, I am not excited about having to deal with it. Um, I don't have a lot of good options for dealing with an Exeggutor. Um, you know, I can't really send out a Valplume because the Exeggutor could use Psychic, which is super effective against Poison. Uh, Jolteon can do absolutely nothing uh, useful against an Exeggutor. Arbok is also Poison type, so it's weak uh, to Psychic as well. Um, so I figured I had to try and do something against the Exeggutor now. Um, you know, I thought it was likely that he was going to try and put my turrets to sleep, but I just felt like if I switched, I would just be in a worse position uh, in case either the sleep powder missed or in case he actually used Psychic or something. Um, so I kept in the Tauros and I used Blizzard, which is super effective against Grass. You always use Blizzard against Executors, and I'm just surprised because like on Tauros, it's fairly weak. I actually, I think it probably would have been better to body slam and potentially paralyze me. I mean, Instead maybe. Uh, I, I, mean, I don't know. Chance of Freeze is nice, but. So, yeah, so the freeze would have been fantastic. Um, it might have been better to body slam, but I don't know. Like, Executor has a high defense, so it's not as though it would have done a ton of damage. I'm also sort of surprised that you didn't send out Arbok and just hope that it, you know, hope hope that I hit with, with Sleep Powder. But, I, you know, well, your, reasoning was, your reasoning was defensible, surely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so what happened was that I used Blizzard dealing 35% damage to the Executor. And then Executor used Sleep Powder, which put my Taurus to sleep. Um, so at this point, uh, I'm not keen on keeping that Taurus in and letting it just get destroyed by that Executor. Um, I didn't have a lot of options at this point. Um, so my situation was I had a Sleeping Dugong, a Sleeping Taurus, a Jolteon, which was ineffective against Executor. Um, a Vile Plume, which is weak to, to Psychic, and an Arbok, which is also weak to Psychic. Um, so I'm, those I'm are my gonna, options. I'm going to assume that your Jolteon didn't have Pin Missile. It did not have Pin Missile. Um, yeah, I mean, that would have been really its only chance with a, a critical hit and the four times effectiveness that can do surprising amounts of damage. Yeah, Pin Missile is a bug-type move that Jolteon can learn. Uh, and weirdly enough, uh, it's actually can be useful against uh, a Pokemon like Executor, which is Grass Psychic, both of which are weak to bug moves. Yeah, basically only, ex it's, it's, ba it's basically a move that is intended only for Executor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so looking at my options, they, they were slim indeed. Uh, and I guess I, I mean, I, I sent out the Vileplume. I'm not really sure why I sent out the Vileplume specifically, but I, I just didn't have that many possibilities here. I think I was hoping to put that thing to sleep. So um, yeah, I went ahead and sent the Vileplume. I used Psychic just because I figured that was going to do the most damage to anything that I knew about that, that Ilya had and could possibly switch in. Yeah. And so indeed, the Vileplume came out, and Psychic dealt a whopping 64% damage to the Vileplume, which is uh, not good for me. Um, so, 
Yeah, in retrospect, I feel like I really should have sent out Arbok because like it was, um, well, I don't know. Oh, actually, here's the thing. So the Vile Bloom is faster than the Executor. So what I get is if I survive one hit, then I can try and put it to sleep. So um, at this point, I was like, all right, well, I know he has a Tangela um, that is paralyzed, so he could potentially switch it in if I tried to use Sleep Powder. Um, but I really need to deal with this Executor, so I'm going to go ahead and use Sleep Powder. Yeah, I did not want Executor to fall asleep, so I, uh, you know, I switched in my uh, crinkles. Yep, so out comes Tangela. I use Sleep Powder, and it does not work because the Tangela is paralyzed. Um, so if a Pokemon is paralyzed, it cannot be put to sleep. Um, and at this point, I'm not actually that concerned about the Tangela. I mean, I'm not super happy about it, but the thing is, like, that tendril is paralyzed, and so it gives me more space to be able to set up my Vile Plume. So this is a Vile Plume that has uh, Swords Dance Body Slam, which is a very nice combo. So I went ahead and used Swords Dance in order to try and get my attack up to take out this Tangela. I also decided to use Swords Dance here. Um, this was a bit of a risk because if I hit a run of full paralysis and uh, gave him a chance to... Uh, get a couple of swords dances in, that thing could actually get legit scary. Um, but I th I was just, I didn't really view it as that much of a threat. I saw this more as an opportunity to actually take a turn and power up and maybe uh, both kill the vile plume and be able to do some damage to whatever was coming out next. All right, and so next turn, uh, my vile plume is swords dance and your tangela also use swords dance. So. We now have two grass types with <laughs> double attack. Uh, so I was kind of delighted at this. It's kind of like a fun situation that you don't see too often. Uh, just like a couple of grass types getting ready to really duke it out against each other. Um, and so at this point, I figured, well, uh, I don't think I can afford to use another sword dance. I think I need to start attacking. So I went ahead and used Body Slam. Uh, I also used Body Slam. All right. And so moving on to the next turn, my Body Slam dealt 33% damage to the Tangela putting it at 51%, and your Tangela dealt 30% uh, or 31% damage with the Body Slam. It was actually a critical hit. Uh, not a big difference, though, because um, it would pretty much do double damage anyway. Um, I'm always and, pissed off when that happens, though, just because it, it makes me feel like the, the Swords Dance was worthless. <laughs> Even though, like, I know it's like, it's, you know, these are all uh, independent events and whatever, but it just, it just makes me mad. It makes me mad that I wasted I wasted a turn on the on the sword stance. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I thought the reason it made me mad was because it actually a crit does slightly less damage than double attack. Uh, I'm not sure of that. I forget where in the well the critical hit doubles the level. Uh, so but I'm actually I don't know the formula well enough offhand to to know exactly which is which is better. They're pretty near comparable. Okay. Um, so yeah, so your critical hit body slam dealt 31% damage to my Vile Bloom, bringing it down to 6%. Um, and so yeah, uh, I'm still feeling okay about this. I mean, I'm still faster and his tangible is still paralyzed. So I went ahead and used another body slam. I also used body slam. Okay. So my Body Slam dealt 32% damage to your uh, Tangela, putting it at 19%, and your Body Slam finished off my Vile Plume. So that paralysis was not doing a whole lot for me other than making your Tangela slow. Um, so at this point, we have a Tangela with 19% uh, health 
and double attack um, and paralysis. And my remaining Pokemon are a sleeping Dugong, a sleeping Tauros, a Jolteon, and an Arbok, which is not a great lineup. Um, so of those Pokemon, again, the Jolteon was not going to be able to do much. Uh, even against this Tangela with this little health remaining, uh, it did not send a good chance of actually taking it out. Um, so I went ahead and sent out the Arbok. And having the Arbok out, I decided, well, I got to finish off this Tangela. And uh, the way I'm going to do that is with a Hyper Beam. I was hoping against all hope to hold on, uh, just because Arbok is such a weak guy. But uh, I think part of that is uh, sort of anchored by a different simulator we used to play on, where Arbok, in addition to being weak, was also at a very low level, just for <laughs> random reasons. Um, so yeah, I kept, I kept it in. Um, one of my favorite things to do, though, is to predict the Hyper Beam and then switch to someone at high health and survive it and then use, you know, hit him on the recharge turn. But uh, I didn't want to play that way this time. Yeah, I was actually terrified of that. I was like, man, I really hope he's not switching something in because if this Hyper Beam fails right now, if it, you know, hits but does not kill a Pokemon and I lose a turn as a result, I'm going to be in such deep shit. Um, but thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, Maybe we can talk a little bit about Hyper Beam mechanics, actually, at this point. So, like, the way that Hyper Beam works is that, you know, it's a very powerful attack. It has 150 base power, um, but uh, it requires you to recharge after using it, on the turn after using it. Um, however, that recharge turn is negated if you actually faint the Pokemon you're using Hyper Beam against. So, uh, you are incentivized to use Hyper Beam in situations where you think you're going to finish off the opposing Pokemon, and your enemy uh, is incentivized to try to switch in Pokemon that can take Hyper Beams and then take advantage of the uh, extra turn from recharging. Uh, now, that recharge turn kind of negation from, from fainting is actually a bug in the original games, but it's a bug that makes Hyper Beam like a more interesting move uh, because it gives it this additional edge of like, well, you have to think about whether you can use it to finish off Pokemon, you have to think about whether your opponent's going to switch. It gives it some kind of extra dimensionality. Um, but I believe they fixed that bug in Stadium, didn't they? Yeah, they changed it in Stadium. I refuse to say fixed uh, because <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite uh, bugs in a battle that also has another one of my favorite bugs coming up. Um, yeah, it, it is like a legitimately good bug. And it's always interesting when like bugs and games make the games better. Like Definitely... I have some games that I've played where like some of my favorite aspects of the games are just like unintentional things that kind of happen as a consequence of other stuff in the game and just like had these like weird consequences on how the game works that made it like way more cool. Uh, and Pokemon is definitely one of those games, although Pokemon also has some really bad bugs like, uh, you know, like focus energy, actually reducing your crit chance instead of increasing it or like Caterpie. Yeah. <laughs> you like yeah, that? you're not allowed to talk about bugs anymore. <laughs> okay, so this is see, I, I tricked you this time. I tricked you into letting me rant about bugs because yeah, uh, it, you use the other you use the other meaning of the word, and you tricked me. Next time it's going to be bugs money. <sighs> Jesus Christ, I hope not. All right, so uh, moving on into this turn, my Arbok used Hyper Beam it was a critical hit, and your Tangela fainted. I decided to send out uh, to send out Executive over here. I was really hoping to. Uh, just take that thing out in one psychic. All right, so 
I was not surprised to see this executor, um, nor was I happy to see it. But the one thing I had above over the executor was that I was faster. So my Arbok was quite a bit faster than the executor. Um, my Arbok moveset was completely uh, ineffectual against an executor. So its moveset was Rock Slide, Earthquake, Glare, and Hyper Beam. So like none of those attacks uh, are particularly good to deal with an executor. Um, however, Glare could at least paralyze it, and then I could pray for like a million full, for full paralysis turns. So I went ahead and used Glare to paralyze the Executor. Yeah, I feared the Glare a little bit, but uh, thought it was it was worth it. All right. So uh, I used Glare, and the Executor got paralyzed, and the Executor used Psychic, which dealt 91% damage against the Arbok. So Again, this is level 68 Executor against level 74 Arbok. This Arbok is just a very weak Pokemon. So it it just got ravished by this uh, Psychic and its special fell as well uh, as an added uh, insult injury. I wanted the one-hit KO, though. I was, even at 90%, I was a little bit disappointed. But what can you do? Um, so at this point, I'm like, well, uh, better make use of this Arbok while I still can. Uh, I went ahead and used Hyper Beam to just try and get in as much damage as I could um, against the Executor. I selected Psychic for obvious reasons. And so I used Hyper Beam, and the Executor took 33% damage, leaving it at 32% health. And the Executor used Psychic, uh, dealing 9%, well, the rest of my HP, and there are bug fainted. Um, so at this point, I really have no other options uh, to bring in except Jolteon. So even though Jolteon is completely ineffectual against Executor, my other options were a Sleeping Dugong and a Sleeping Tauros. So I went ahead and brought out my Jolteon. Um, and so yeah, the reason I say it's ineffectual is because its only uh, damaging moves are Body Slam and Thunderbolt. So this Jolteon's moveset is rather questionable. It's uh, Thunder Wave, Body Slam, Thunderbolt, and then the last move is Agility. Now, Jolteon's already a very fast Pokemon, so very limited situations where you'd need to use agility on it, but um, that was its moveset. Yeah. So maybe you just really, really, really want to outspeed an electrode. Yeah, maybe. Because um, I'm so, trying to think if Jolteon is tied for second or third in uh, in speed. But then again, remember it's lower level, so maybe if you want to outspeed something higher level here. Yeah, it is still a weird choice, though. But It's a very weird choice. Yeah. Um, and so the reason that those moves, by Slam and Thunderbolt, are no good against this uh, Executor are Thunderbolt is, uh, you know, it's not effective against Rest types. And Body Slam is just like, Jolteon has a low attack stat, and Executor is very tanky. So neither of those moves work very well. Um, but I went ahead and selected Thunderbolt here just to see what I could do. Maybe hope for a critical hit. I selected Explosion here. I was really excited to just blow up and, and take this thing down and uh, take this thing down in one hit. Uh, so my Thunderbolt used, sorry, my Jolteon used Thunderbolt. It dealt 14% damage to the Executor, leaving it at 18%. So it didn't even do half of the remaining health uh, of the Executor. And the Executor, thankfully, was paralyzed and unable to move. I'm shaking my fist in the air at this point because <laughs> I'm like, if this thing denies me my chance to blow up, I will be rip shit. And so this time I decided, well, the Thunderbolt did almost nothing. Let's try the Body Slam. It'll probably do almost nothing as well. So I selected Body Slam. I selected Explosion again. 
God damn it, I was going to blow that thing out of the sky. And so uh, I use Body Slam, it dealt 15% damage, leaving the Executor at 3%. And sure enough, the Executor exploded, uh, fainting the Jolteon. So yeah, that was a very uh, clutch explosion for you. That definitely happened like right at the last possible second for that Executor. Uh, I did not look out with a critical hit in either of those turns. Um, and yep, uh, well done. Well done, the explosion. There was much rejoicing. So at this point, since both of our Pokemon fainted, we both got a free switch. Uh, and so it's not as though either of us could react to the other one's switch. So I had to decide between bringing out my Sleeping Dugong or my Sleeping Tauros. And I decided to bring out the Dugong because I figured, I don't know what I figured. Uh, I just decided to bring it out for some reason. I sent out Kangaskhan, but this would have been a really obvious time to send out the Clefable that I had been saving. Because oh, you know what? I just figured out why I brought out the Dugong. It's because it's actually faster than Clefable. So it would actually be able to take a couple of Thunderbolts and then wake up and uh, faint the Clefable. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe I was thinking that. That's what I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking that I had to send out Kangaskhan because it would be faster than the Dugong. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> are, you, are you sure you were thinking that, or are you yes. just saying that in retrospect? Oh, no, no. I am absolutely sure that is definitely what I was thinking. I would never lie on this important medium. I mean, this is basically like the same as like testifying before Congress, right? Like I could be, I could be held like in contempt of Congress for this. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you could. Yeah, so there is no way I would lie on this podcast. All right. Uh, so uh, I sent out Dugong and you sent out Kangaskhan. Uh, so at this point, my Dugong is, is asleep. Uh, I can't do anything except uh, wait to wake up. So I waited to wake up. I body slammed the fucker. All right, so Body Slam dealt 28% uh, damage against my Dugong. Not a ton. Uh, my Dugong did not wake up. And I went ahead and waited to wake up. Body Slam. All right, this time the Body Slam was a critical hit. It dealt 57% damage to the Dugong, leaving it at 15% health, and the Dugong woke up. Um, this made me very happy. <laughs> uh, and, you know, at this point the Dugong was almost dead. Um, so I figured, you know, no point in, in trying to save it by switching out. I will just, uh, let it take the final hit. I think it's like an interesting activity. People could go through this and say like, how many times do I reference feelings versus how many times do you reference like tactics? <laughs> I feel like I never get a sense of like your, your happiness and your joy. Uh, you know, I think I feel good when I win the game, and I feel bad when I lose it. <laughs> Fair. Um, so yeah, so what move did you use? Body slam. All right, so my Dugong fainted, and I sent out my Tauros. So at this point, I have a Tauros, which is asleep. Um, this Tauros was put to sleep by, what, your Tangela? Um, uh, no, Executor. Oh, you're right, Executor. And it's at full health, um, so it'll be asleep a random number of turns from 1 to 7. And it is faster than the Kangaskhan. Uh, so there is some possibility that I could survive this, although it looks really, really grim for me at this point. Um, but I go ahead and I wait to wake up, potentially. I used Body Slam. All right. And so uh, my Tauros woke up on the first turn of sleep, uh, which is quite lucky. And your Kangaskhan used Body Slam to deal 33% damage. I was scared. Shitless. <laughs> so at this point, 
I'm still not feeling great about the this battle. It uh, doesn't feel like I have a great chance against the, against the Kangaskhan, but I went ahead and used Body Slam. I figured, let's just see how much damage we can do here. Well, it wouldn't be a Generation 1 battle without just everyone using Body Slam, so I used <laughs> Body Slam, too. I'm pretty sure if you look at, like, pretty sure half the turns in this battle have involved a Body Slam. Yeah, that's... Yeah, if you're just, just looking at the logs right now, it's just Body Slam, Body Slam, <laughs> yeah, Body Slam. Body Slam down the page. <laughs> Yeah, Body Slam is a great move. You know, it's it has a very high uh, power at 85. Um, it has a 30% chance to paralyze. It's just it's just a real solid move. And a lot of Pokemon it's can learn it. It's very accurate. Yes, that's right. Um, it has 99.6% accuracy, like many moves in the game. Yes. Uh, and so my Tauros used Body Slam, and it got a critical hit, which uh, dealt a full 50% damage against the Kangaskhan. And the Kangaskhan used Body Slam as well, but it missed. So it had a 99.6% chance of hitting, and it got that miss. I knew this was just the bolt par riseth from the grave <laughs> and was going to destroy me. Um, I this is this is what I was talking about earlier about another mechanic that I love. I love that every move has a very remote chance of missing. I think it I think it makes the game so much more fun because when it happens it's just this either this like little celebration or this just like moment of just like pure <laughs> grief. Um, was, was that what you were playing right now pure grief? Yeah, I was. I was. This turn was rough. You got the critical hit. I got the I got the one out of two fifty six miss. Like that is a terrible turn. That is a demoralizing turn. And we were yeah. both using the same move, but the <laughs> outcomes were so different. Yeah, this was the best possible way that this turn could have ended up for me. Me getting a crit and you actually missing with that less than one percent chance. I think it would have turned out better if I accidentally typed forfeit into the chat, <laughs> but I, I, that was a bit less likely to happen. Um. But yeah, and so this this one out of two six thing is another bug, which was also fixed. How soon was that fixed? That actually was fixed in Stadium, but came back in Generation Two, but not applying to moves, only applying to secondary effects. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> uh, there um, was a there was a lot of uh, uh, deadline pressure in programming these games, is what I've heard. I'm sure there was. Um, yeah, the, there, if you allow me to go on a digression here, sure. uh, this thing where, like, I, I agree with you that, like, this slight mischance is actually a rather delightful bug that makes the game more interesting. But um, <clears throat> uh, another one of my favorite games is Super Smash Brothers. And uh, I've mainly played a ton of uh, Smash Brothers 64, which was the first iteration of that for the Nintendo 64. Um, but... Uh, a very popular, um, you know, sequel to this game was Smash Brothers Melee, and I want to say in Brawl, the third version of the game for the GameCube, they introduced uh, something very similar. So they introduced a mechanic where randomly, uh, once in a while, a character could just trip. <laughs> like you would just be running along in the battlefield and you would just trip and you would like fall over or something. Um, and people hated that. They just like they were livid about it and. Yeah, like I, I feel like it's like just kind of like a dumb thing. Like it, it doesn't feel like you're really adding anything to the game. Um, 
but somehow it seems to work better in Pokemon, and I, I can't really put my finger on why. Yeah, I don't know. I just me, I'm I'm liking the idea of the random trip, but I hmm. you know, I think that's just me. Well, anyhow, um, there's a lot of people who hate who hate this mechanic. Yeah, I guess it's a question of how much you like randomness in the competitive game, right? Because like I think there are people who take competitive Pokemon very seriously. Um, I guess we do too to some extent, but like people who want it to be all about skill and and like as little as possible about luck. And Pokemon by itself, like you know, the base game is very very luck based. So you have all these moves that have all these different accuracies. You have things like one hit KO moves, which have a 30% chance to just faint the uh, enemy Pokemon. Um, you have moves which raise your evasion or, or lower the enemy's accuracy. All this stuff about luck, and I think people just like don't like that in a game where they're trying to figure out who is the best. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have the perspective where an individual game should say something, whereas I think our philosophy has been if we battle each other a lot over time, the luck evens out, and you actually see interesting results where it's like there, there can be a set of battles where I might win five in a row, but overall, I'm going to win less often, and that's that's what I really like about this game and the fact that there, you know, that in the in if you take the long view, skill does sort of come out, but if you're sort of looking in like a tournament setting where you're expecting uh, one game to be meaningful, this is this is not your game. Yeah, and I think my favorite competitive games are ones in which luck plays like a pretty substantial factor because I think it just makes it a little bit more fun and interesting uh, and like maybe a little bit less intense if like there is some elements of luck and it's just not just like all you just having to concentrate super duper hard all the time. Um, and if I can uh, give a little peek behind the curtain here, Matt and I have actually been keeping a spreadsheet of our Pokemon record for like years and years where we've been like compiling each person's number of wins. And then we even have like a statistical formula being used to determine like, you know, uh, who is better and by what margin and with what confidence and so on. Do we want to finish this dumb battle? Yeah, sure. Let's finish uh, this dumb battle. Uh, so, um, moving on from this turn, uh, my Taurus is at 67% uh, health. Your Kangaskhan is at 50%. Uh, at this point, I have a difficult decision to make, which is whether to use Body Slam or Hyper Beam. Uh, so, uh, Body Slam is an 85 power move. Hyper Beam is a 150 power move. So, a Hyper Beam by itself is not quite going to deal double a body slam. And so if I just use Hyper Beam and didn't get a crit, it looks pretty unlikely that I would actually faint your Kangaskhan. So I decided to uh, play it safe here and go for another body slam. I also used body slam uh, because I I wouldn't kill you with a, with a normal Hyper Beam anyway, so. All right, and so I used the body slam and it got a critical hit dealing this time 45% damage to your Gengaskhan, uh, leaving it at 5%. Your Gengaskhan used a Body Slam as well. It also crit, and it dealt 64% health uh, to my Tauros, leaving it at 3% health. Yeah, uh, that might be the most Generation 1 turn in the entire game, two people using Body Slam against each other and both getting critical hits. Um, but yeah, uh, I was pretty happy about the critical hit, but I still knew that this was, uh, this battle was not going well. All right, and so at this point I was pretty happy because this Kangaskhan was dead. It was slower than my Taurus, so I went ahead and used Body Slam to finish it off. 
Yeah, I was I was really hoping that uh, Ilya would get his uh, 256 miss, but it was not in the cards, probably because of that bolt par. Um, <laughs> I had that worthless remaining Clefable, so after I fainted, <laughs> I set that up. <laughs> that Clefable that you worked so hard to maintain. Yeah, that might have been a mistake. Yeah, so my Taurus's wise diamond fainted the Kangaskhan, out came the Clefable, uh, at this point, I had another difficult decision, was, which was whether to use uh, Body Slam or Hyper Beam. So this Clefable was at 23% health. It was scaled to be level uh, 74. Um, my Taurus was at level 68. So Clefable is like a somewhat tanky Pokemon. Uh, it's scaled to be higher level than my Tauros. Um, I was a little bit nervous that if I use Body Slam, I just wouldn't deal enough damage to faint it. Um, on the other hand, Hyper Beam only has a 90% accuracy, so it has a 10% chance to miss. So I spent a while debating which move to use, and I ultimately decided to use Hyper Beam. I selected one of my moves. I don't know which one. Not Thunder Wave. <laughs> uh, and so I used Hyper Beam, and it was a critical hit, and fainted the Clefable. And against all odds, I ended up winning this battle. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised that you beamed there. I mean, I think after this, you should run the numbers on whether the Body Slam wasn't a guarantee. I think it was. Uh, there is no way I'm going to run numbers. I find okay. that to be way too tedious to bother. I mean, you can feel free to do so if you're curious, but um, I mean, I would be interested to know the outcome, but I have no desire to run the numbers. All right. Well, I was actually, I when I saw that hype, I, I, I was like, oh, he's taking a bit of a risk here with this hyper beam. That would have been really nice if it missed. Oh, well, not in the cards. Um, so yeah, this was a really cool battle. Uh, I definitely felt like I was screwed uh, partway through the battle, and then Toros just kind of cleaned up. It really worked out nicely. Uh, it just like things just kind of coincided nicely, like between crits and Matt missing and everything. It was definitely like it was as though the hand of God came down and said, "Ilya, you're going to win this battle." I enjoyed this battle, uh, even though I lost. Uh, <laughs> I I love any time there's a there's a 256 miss, and I have a soft spot for that. Um, it's interesting, though, looking back at it and talking about it, I think there there were definitely some times when I could have gone in a different direction, and who knows how it all would have uh, worked out, but I think, you know, maybe doing something different with the Clefable could have been, uh, could have been a good move, but it's just so hard to tell. It's, it's just interesting, like, as you're, you know, as I was playing through this battle, I was thinking, you know, I'm I'm feeling pretty sharp. I don't feel like I'm doing anything dumb. There's sometimes like mm, as I'm yeah. as I'm battling, I'm sort of thinking, oh, why did you just do that, you dummy? Um, but aside from doing that uh, thunderbolt when there was almost a guarantee he was going to switch his Jolteon out, there was really nothing in the moment that struck me that, that, like that. In yeah. retrospect, the whole Clefable thing was probably a little bit uh, probably a little bit dumb. Yeah, but no, I mean you're right. I think you were playing perfectly reasonably here. Uh, I think, yeah, this was definitely a battle that could have swung either direction. And I think I was almost certainly going to lose it uh, if like, I didn't get that nice series of uh, lucky coincidences at the very end there of like waking up early and then getting critical hits and you missing and everything. So I, I think this battle could have very easily have gone in your favor. And it was just kind of by the skin of my teeth, I ended up winning it. Um, yeah. So, uh, who uh, would you nominate as your most valuable and least valuable Pokemon? Uh, for my most valuable, I'm going to go with Exeggutor. Um, got to uh, put a Tauros to sleep 
and blow up against a Jolteon. And like that's that almost sounds like a real generation one battle, not a ran, not a like a randomly selected Pokemon one. So <laughs> that's my that's my MVP for sure. Uh least valuable Nidorina. I mean shit, like <laughs> I almost forgot that there was a Nidorina involved like, ages ago. Yeah, for me, I think most valuable would definitely have to be Tauros. I mean, it just came in and saved the day at the very end there. Um, and least valuable, I mean, I think it's got to be Arbok. Like, the Arbok did manage to, you know, paralyze the Executor and get a good deal of damage against it. So, like, definitely kudos for doing that. But I think overall, uh, probably the rest of my Pokemon did more of this battle than the Arbok did. Yeah. Arbok's just a nice choice to shit on anyway. Yeah. Arbok's just a lame Pokemon. He's just like a snake. There's nothing even special about him. <laughs> well, uh, if you spell backwards, it says Cobra with a K, so that's pretty cool. Really? I thought it spelled Snail. No. Nah. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, um, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap this episode up? No, I, I, you know, I, I thought this was a super fun battle. I really enjoyed uh, recapping this one with you. Yeah, me too. You know, what's funny is I, I feel like we were chatting a few days ago and you threatened to like ambush me with a question of some kind uh, during this podcast, but I can't remember where it was. Uh, you know what? We'll save it for another episode. All right. Uh, cool. So this has been episode five of Man's Who Play Mons. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher and on TuneIn. You can also email us at mansuplaymons at gmail.com. I already uh, used my... Uh, old technology when I was talking about Friendster earlier, so I got nothing. All right, uh, cool. Well, uh, see you all next time. Goodbye, friends. <laughs>